Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Thank you for being here. It's great to see all of you here today. I want to um, begin by just uh, telling you, reminding you, you all know we have three services. You just happen to be at the last one. The super, we give all the super spiritual credit to the eight o'clock crowd. So we, 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 I badmouth you in the eight o'clock crowd, just so you know. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, we do have an eight o'clock service, nine thirty service, eleven o'clock. And uh, just to give you a sense, we, we started that in uh, Memorial Day last year. And these are the dog days of eight o'clock services. It's, you know, 20 below zero. And, uh, but we have a faithful group of folks. We have a faithful group of folks that are part of that. Uh, but we, uh, as the songwriter said, we've come too far to turn back. Um, uh, to give you a sense, from December of 2018 compared to December 2017, we were up 166 in Sunday morning attendance. Uh, in January, we're up about 110 over last January. So um, we are, as you know, East Lake is not afraid to do something new. And so just pray for us because we want to do what is best. We've got about a year before we transition to a new facility, and we want to do what is best. And we know the early services can be difficult in the winter, but they're very advantageous in the summer because the water is 85 degrees. Amen. And all the cousins are in town. So um, uh, we are planning. uh, This week we'll spend time uh, planning and and reviewing our plan for this year that we laid out in September. And so I appreciate your prayers for the staff as we'll be together the last part of this week just sort of focusing on an off-site planning session, uh, really seeking the Lord and and really kind of trying to figure out a plan of execution forward for the next 12 months. Uh, until we mo- reach that new facility. The second thing I want to say before I be- begin my sermon this morning is um, this month we've been wor- worshiping and praying together on Wednesday nights. And I've told you that we have a, a dream that one Wednesday night every seat will be full. And uh, we're doing amazing. I want to tell you something. The crowds on Wednesday night have been incredible and we're so blessed but we're, we're going to bring our teens and young adults in with us this Wednesday night. And we're going to spend about 30 to 45 minutes worshiping and praying and seeking the face of God. And then the leadership at Eastlake has a really important issue to discuss with you. And I say issue in a good sense of issue. You know, it's not one of them church issues, okay? It's a good issue, all right? So I don't want to frighten you. But we do have something we want to share with you. And we want you to help us pray about. And uh, it's very, very exciting. So I invite you all, even if you don't want to pray, come close your eyes and act like you're moving your lips. And then you can, be, and then you can listen to all the gossip, okay? Just to fake it, okay? Uh, you might like prayer when you get here. So we want everyone to be here as much as possible on Wednesday night. And we are going to seek the Lord. We're going to begin by putting ourselves before the Lord and seeking His face. And then we're going to talk about some something very exciting that, that the, the leadership team is, is reviewing as we speak. So we are coming to the close of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, our corporate time of prayer and fasting. But there's been this phrase all week sort of resonating. Actually, this whole month, there's sort of been this underlying uh, desire within me that says uh, we don't start and stop this. There's something dysfunctional about starting and stopping seeking the Lord. Amen? 
And so I understand what we're doing, and we're going to do it again next year. And that this is a call to seek the Lord at the beginning of the year. Uh, but but this, this phrase, we've only just begun. We've been doing this for 10 years. Many of you have been walking with the Lord that long or longer. And so you're saying, what do you mean we've only just begun? Some of you know more about the Bible than, than uh, you know, the person that wrote it. You've been around. You know the Bible. Can God do something new in your life? Amen. I've been thinking about this idea. We've only just, how do we, how do we expand this understanding so that tomorrow we're not the same and next week we're not the same and we never go back to the way we were. If you've experienced a time of seeking the Lord, now if you haven't, we hope you do change and for another reason. But anyways, if, 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 if we have been seeking, I don't ever want to go back. This is, this is sort of the burden of my heart as your pastor. And I've since... I sense that God is up to something among us. That I'm not talking about building buildings and, and, and that kind of stuff. I'm talking about God is up to some deep spiritual work in our hearts. And, and, and my prayer is that, is that although I believe in the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and although I can point back to that time as a time when Every significant thing that's happened in Eastlake in the last 10 years was rooted in that time, has its roots in that, those three weeks. And I believe that our future is going to be affected by the time that we are coming out of today. Yet somehow, the sense in my heart has been, how do we expand this idea that there's really a culture of seeking and, and pursuing the Lord with a passionate heart all year round? And so there's, there's, there, there are some practical things that we could do. We could say, okay, we're going to fast a meal a week and a day a month, and we, could, we can set up some rhythms in that. But that's not what I'm talking about, because what I have, what I have come to realize is that uh, in order for Eastlake to be a place where prayer is natural, prayer is first, prayer is consistent, prayer is corporate, prayer is widespread, and prayer is powerful, then uh, we have to... We have to, the key to that, to creating that dynamic culture of prayer, is rooted in our individual development as passionate seekers after God. We can pass out all the discipleship books. We can pass out all the journals. We can say, fast on Tuesday, fast on Friday. And those are nice things. We can create rhythms and, and reminders, and that's all well and good. But listen, here's, here's where I think... Here's where I think the key to the future, the transformational future for what, of what God has for us is every person here from the youngest to the oldest becomes a passionate seeker after God. Are you a seeker after God? Let's talk about it for just a moment. I want to I tell you a story. I want to read a scripture that is the outflow of the story that I'm going to tell you. And then I want to just sort of give you some characteristics of what I want God to do in my life this year as a God seeker. Because my prayer and my burden and my heart is that nominal, mediocre, if there is such a thing, Christianity would be scarce at Eastlake. Amen. 
Some of you are not sure what that means. And you're a little scared about what God would do with you if he got a hold on you. That's my, that's my prayer. I want to see it. Here's the story. You know King David? He was, a, he was a, a man after God's own heart. He was anointed king as a boy. He was special from, as, as from a young child, David was special. He, he became king of Israel to this present day, is considered the greatest leader in the history of the nation of Israel. They still are longing for someone to sit on the throne of David and, and, and to be him. David was a man after God's own heart. He did many, many, many wonderful things. He's, he, he wrote the Psalms, uh, many of those, and, and, and he just, just a wonderful person. He had midlife crisis that was not good, all right? That's the nice way of saying he stole his neighbor's wife and killed the neighbor, okay? That's more than a midlife crisis, I'm assuming, but, and I'm not making light. Read Psalm 51. He didn't make light of his sin. He repented greatly, but he's an old man. He's near the end of his life. And he has a, he has a moment of pride. This, this godly songwriter, worshiper, man after God's own heart, has a moment of pride. We don't get a lot of detail. You would read about it if you want to go home today and read the background to where we're going this morning. You would read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 24, 1 Chronicles chapter 21. It's near the end of his life. And he says, you know what I want to do? I want to count all the people. He wasn't the last preacher that counted people and got proud. Okay? That was a joke. You didn't get it. So he creates this census out of the pride of his heart. And they count six million Israelites. 1.3 million soldiers. And God says, David, you've committed an iniquity. This is the dude that's writing all the songs we're singing in church. I mean, they were singing in church. We should be singing in church, maybe. This is the guy who was the great king. This is the man after God's own heart. This is an old, wise, faithful saint. He had a moment of pride. And the Lord said, David, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to punish you. And I'm going to let you choose your punishment. Didn't you love it when your parents did that? And they gave you three horrific options. Here were the options. Option number one is seven-year famine. Option number two is three months on the run from the enemy. Option number three is three days famine. Perhaps David thought if we do seven years of famine, it will only affect the poor because those with resources will be able to sustain themselves. Perhaps David thought that the three months on the run would have been only about the military and, and, and though he would have been well protected as king and it was a, there was an ordinance that didn't allow him to go to battle anyways as king. And, and uh, David said, I tell you what, I would rather be under the hand of God than under the hand of man. And so he chose the three-day plague. And he thought this will affect rich and poor, royalty and peasant alike. 
and, and, and 70,000 died. And then he cried out to God. He said, oh God, as a good shepherd, he said, please, please, don't hold it against these people. Hold it against me. And God removed the plague. And David goes up and he wants, to, he wants to build an altar of worship to the Lord. And he goes up on top of a mountain. A man there comes out and sees the king. And David said, I would like to make an altar here and build this altar to the Lord and worship the Lord here. God has now removed his hand of punishment. And David is going to worship. And the man says, you can absolutely have it. You're the king. He bowed down, take it, it's yours. And David said, oh, no, 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 no. I will not offer the Lord something that costs me nothing. I'm going to pay for it. And he built an altar. And he had a sacrifice and God's hand of blessing was on him once again and God removed. And, And we're quite sure that that story is the backdrop to Psalm 30. And the thing, that, the thing that intrigued me about this story, because I, I was reading Psalm 30 in devotions earlier this week, and really began to sort of, it began to pulsate within me, and I began to try to understand it. And then, and then I realized this, this burden that's been on my heart that we've only just begun. And then I began to see how it dovetails with the story, and I began to research into Psalm 30. And when I got into Psalm 30, I ended up in 2 Samuel 24 and 1 Chronicles 21, and I began to see what was behind it. And what I, what I realized was that Psalm 30 is the reflection of the heart of a person who's not in static, mediocre mode with God, but they are a passionate seeker after God. David illustrates so beautifully. And I want us to do something old-fashioned this morning. And you can join us in the chapel and online if you would like. Certainly in the chapel we want you to. I'm going to read a verse and you're going to responsively read with me. Can you do that? How many remember doing that back in the day? All right? It'll take you back. This is responsive reading. The, the, the bold print you will read I will read the the uh, normal print here we go Psalm 30 this is old man David responding to his story that I've just said it says the Psalm of David at the building of the temple it was at the building of the altar on Mount Moriah that he built not the temple that was built after he was gone but it was the building of this temple so to speak verse 30 uh, verse 1 I will extol you O Lord for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. But your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong, you hid your face. I was dismayed. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? 
Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Everyone, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And here we have the story, the response of the king after the the story that I just shared with you. And the, the thing about David that is so remarkable to me, sometimes when you read the Psalms, they come off as beautiful, sweet, nice, poetic, lyrical, nice things that you write so people will read them for several thousand years. When in reality, the Psalms are the outflow of a man who was not in a static relationship with God, but who was in a dynamic relationship with God, and who was living and working through every challenge and issue and season of life. He was seeking and pursuing the God that he loved and that he served. And I, I, as I read this this week, I, I began to say, Oh God, will you create in me a heart like David, who in every season I am pursuing and seeking you. Can I just tell you something this morning? You may have been saved for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, or you may have gotten saved last year. I don't know how long you've known the Lord, but really, you've only just begun. David is all over brand new in this psalm, even as a man of age. I want to just give you a few characteristics, profiles of a God seeker. And, and, and I want them to, ad- to be identified in my life and in our lives this morning. Number one, a life, the life of a God seeker is a life of genuine relationship with God. The first three verses of this psalm really could be applied to many places in David's life. David begins by saying, Lord, I'm going to lift you up because you have lifted me up. He describes in sort of past tense several things that the Lord has done. You have picked me up out of the pit. You have brought me up from the grave. You have, he is recounting by his memory his relationship with the Lord. One thing is for certain about David. He was not a perfect man as no one who's ever lived is perfect. Is not, certainly is not perfect. But David was a man who had a genuine relationship with God. I don't know when that started. We know as a young boy, he was experiencing the blessing and the power of God. But David, without a shadow of a doubt, had his personal faith firmly fixed in a God who he knew to be powerful and he knew to be gracious and good and wise. If I have a prayer for 2019 in my own life, oh God, don't allow me to rest on my preaching as my relationship with you. Don't allow me to rest on my teaching as my relationship with you. Don't allow me to rest on my education. Don't allow me to rest on my leadership in the church. Don't allow me to rest upon the things that I do or other people say about me. Oh God, may I have a vibrant, living, alive, real, personal relationship with you. You need one. You need one. Oh God, Give us a mighty army of men and women who themselves, by faith, have experienced the grace and the power of God. 
May we not read the devotional that somebody else reads just so we can be like them and try to keep up with them. Sometimes our, our relationship with the Lord, our walk with God is, uh, is, is very horizontal. And I believe in corporate prayer and corporate learning, all of that. That's all biblical. But sometimes it's just sort of going along or going along. Or I am because my parents or I am because my family or I am because of my church. No, 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 no. Listen, if there's anything I pray, the heart of a God seeker is someone who's been face to face with God. Who by faith, David's life was, was, was marked by this life of genuine relationship. David's relationship with God. Listen, and, and every person who has a relationship with God, this was David's relationship with God. It was one of calling. It was one of faith. It was one of failure. It was one of deliverance. It was one of blessing. And it was one of worship. This was David's life. Almost every psalm that, that recounts his, his, his own personal struggles and his own personal battles sort of follows that rhythm. Lord, you're the one who got me into this. Lord, I'm sorry I failed you. Lord, would you deliver me? Oh God, your power is great and I'm going to sing about you forever. This was a man who knew God. Do you know God? Do you know God? In America, church is a cultural good thing. It's a nice thing in America. It's not as nice as it used to be, and that could change as, as the culture we're living in is, is no more friendly to us. Not, not more friendly, but less. But, but it's kind of a nice thing to go to church. But listen, I have a prayer for you this morning. I have a prayer that if you don't know the Lord, that you will come to know Him in 2019. That you'll have faith in a God that speaks to you through his word and his spirit. That his witness will bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Did you know that David was a man who lived by faith? He was obviously pre-Christ and pre-the cross and pre-resurrection. But David was a man who walked with God and had the blessing of God even in those days. But I've got good news for you. It's not as though you kind of are one out of a thousand. This morning, every person who puts their genuine faith in Jesus Christ, God has sent his son. His son has been crucified for your sin. He was buried and through the resurrection power, he rose from that grave and conquered death and your sin for you. And if you'll put your trust in him, don't go talk to another person person at at, at this point. Don't go get somebody else's advice at this point. You need to get on your face before God and say, resurrected Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life. You put your faith in him. His Holy Spirit comes within you and you're now living and dwelling in the presence of God. You need something that'll hold you that is not passed down from your parents or handed off from a friend. You need something that will hold you that because you have been in the presence of God for yourself. A God seeker is a, has a genuine relationship with God. The life of a God seeker is a life, is a life of passionate worship. David was a worshiper. In verse 1, he says, I will extol you for you have drawn me up. It's it really is saying this. He's kind of using a, a one, one concept to, to uh, emphasize another. He says, Lord, because you have lifted me up, I'm going to lift you up. This is my life. Is anybody here this morning that needs to worship the Lord because of what he lifted you up from? 
Is there anybody like that this morning? It's okay to wave at me. Anybody like that this morning? David was a worshiper. He was a worshiper reflectively. And he's, all of these phrases in the first three verses are sort of reflective. You, you got me out of a pit. You brought me up from the grave. You healed the people. You, you, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to lift you up because you lifted me up. And this morning, if, if, if you want to be a God seeker, listen, some of us just need to decide in 2019 that we're going to, we're going to really take this matter of opening our heart and, and opening our pursuit of God to another level. We don't have any problem getting passionate. I'm not talking about a style of worship. Everybody says, you know, what style of worship do you want to be? You know, I I don't even like questions like that. One guy, he thought he was going to trick me, and he says, so which way are you headed in worship? I knew what he was asking, and when people, when I know what you're asking, I'm going to give you a bad answer. I'm going to give you a a smart aleck answer. What way are your church heading in worship? He didn't like drums. I knew that. And I said, uh, towards Jesus. <laughs> Amen? And so I, I'm not here to say, oh, I want you to raise your hands more in worship. No, that's up between you and the Lord. I want you to have a genuine, authentic relationship that from your heart, your heart is crying out, oh, God, I'm going to lift you up because you lifted me up. Amen? Amen? Passionate worship. I'm not talking about singing louder, raising your hands, running around, rolling in the floor. We kind of don't want you to do that. It had to really be God, okay? We're not prepared for that, okay? But, but, but if it's God, we'll deal with it. What I am saying is I'm saying that I want to see God raise up a mighty army of men and women beginning with your pastor who doesn't worship because it sings and is a thing to do and read his Bible because he's got to get a sermon on Sunday, but somebody who cries out to God from the depths of his heart because he longs to lift up the name of the Lord. He worshiped reflectively. He worshiped personally. He worshiped corporately. He said in verse 4, oh, come, come on, guys, come on, let's sing of his holy name. Let's make a memorial about his holiness is what that means. Come on, y'all. Come on. Let's go sing about the. Oh, man. It's like saying next Sunday, man, you come. Let's go watch watch the Super Bowl. Come on. Come on. In that case, we got to root against the Patriots, by the way, everybody. (laughs) I love you, Ken. No, no. It's saying, come, come, come. This is better than a Super Bowl party. Oh, come. Let's come, all you saints. Let's, let's, Let's make a memorial about his holiness. He goes down in verse 12 and he says, and I'm going to worship you continually, forever, forever. David worships sacrificially. I told you the story that this is kind of coming out of. He goes up on Mount Moriah. They said, you can have this. He says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to have a worship service that costs me nothing. I'm going to give. I'm not talking talking here about money. I'm talking about sacrificially laying yourself out before the Lord and saying, I'm going to worship you with everything I have have. You know, I have a prayer, and my prayer is that 2019 will be different, that Eastlake won't be fasting and praying in January, but there'll be a culture of prayer. There'll be a, there'll be a reality of prayer and seeking the Lord that pervades January and February and March, April, May, June, July, all the way down, and that God will change me, and God will change you. As God seekers is, is, is a life of passionate worship. Thirdly, it's a life of continual growth. Here's an interesting thing in verse 6. 
David is recounting in, in this psalm. He's recounting the story that I told you in verse in Second Samuel 24. And he says in verse 6, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. We got six million people. Wow. I'm old. I finally arrived. I think I'm going to move to Smith Mountain Lake. <laughs> nope. He said, I, we got six, we got, Rich, we got 1.3 million soldiers. David said, good job. This is, this is a man who's writing the Bible, who's the leading worship person in all of the Bible, who's the man after God's own heart. He killed Goliath, great king, and God says, okay, big boy, I'm taking you down. Listen to what God said. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. But by your favor, O Lord, though you made my mountain, my problem, stand strong. You know, the point is this, that even as an aged man, David had lessons to learn. David said, I rose up with pride and I said, "Ah, man, we're here. We're good. And God put a mountain in front of me and said, you want to know something, David? This mountain is not moving until you humble yourself. I, I can, honestly, it's too personal for me to tell you the details. My wife obviously knows. We've had this conversation this week. But just in recent days, in sort of a small way, but a very large way, the Lord stuck a mountain in front of me and said, hey, big boy, You think you're all that? You want that mountain to move? You better get on your face. And this is exactly what God was saying to David. If you're going to be a God seeker, I'm not talking about a person who has no growing to do. As a matter of fact, if you want to know who really needs to grow in 2019 at Eastlake, go home and look in the mirror. And I'll do the same thing. Because I need to grow. If you're going to be a God seeker, You're going to change and grow. It's a dynamic relationship, not a static relationship. Are you with me this morning? Did you know that 20, 20, some of you have been, some of you have been staring and oh, I'm feeling it now. Some of you are staring at the same mountain for the last 20 years because you refuse to let God do his work in your heart that he wants to do so you can get over that mountain. And you've decided to call that mountain your personality. It's just my personality. It's just who I... No, it's not. It's a plague, and God wants you to get over it, but you won't humble yourself, and God can't get you over anything that you don't say, Oh, God, I'm sorry. I need you. Amen. I'm talking about the life of a God. You know what I love? I love. I love to be around men and women who've been in the faith for a long time and who maybe they've been, say, 40, 50, 60 years, great preachers, whatever, great, just lay people. And I love to be around those people who I think, you know, to me, they've already gone into impeccability. They can't even sin if they want to. (laughs) But I love to be around those people. I know that's not true. But, but I love to be around those people, especially those people that are saying, Troy, this is what I'm learning. This is what God is doing in my life. I'm like, what? You are a model of spiritual maturity. And they're saying, no, God is changing me and molding me. I'm like, I stink. I, I'm terrible. If you need to be molded, I'm not even saved. 
No, this is, but this is King David. This is an old man saying, you know, I had some lessons to learn. I said, man, I'm good. I got everything covered. I'm the greatest king to ever live. I killed that giant. Look at that plaque over there. That's on that Goliath plaque. I'm good. And God said, no, David, you're not good. You're not done growing spiritually until you stop breathing. Amen. So just think of it in this term. If, if we're going to be really different in 2019, we have to give God the leeway in our life to make the changes that he wants to make in 2019. Somebody sitting here this morning is going to be free this year from something you've been battling a long time. If you'll let God have his unbridled way in your life. Amen. A life of a God seeker. I haven't even looked at my notes. There's probably some good stuff in here. <laughs> a life of a God seeker is a life of desperate dependence. In verses 8 through 10, David says, To you, O Lord. Verse 8, To the Lord I cry. Hear, O Lord. O Lord, be my helper. David was a man with an army. He could have said, Army, protect me. David was a man in charge of the priesthood. He could have said, Priest, pray for me. But David said, I'm not trusting in armies. I'm trusting in you, O Lord. The king, if you would have found the old king, I don't know what his posture would have been, but if we can apply our understanding, if you'd have found the old king in the palace, you'd have found an old, wonderful, wise man after God's own heart on his face before God. Said, oh God, I need you today. Oh God, will you deliver me? This is a man who can dictate armies and tell the priests what to do. They can make, but he was himself on his face before God. And the more God blesses your life, the more God gives opportunities to this church, the more we better stay on our face in desperate dependence of God Almighty. Listen, we're a God seeker. If you're going to be a God seeker, it's not somebody who knows more than everybody else, who has all the Bible verses memorized. Not the person who's the Bible answer person, you know. They're just super spiritual. I remember, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but when I was a young pastor, I was riding along with this 65 or 70 year old saint I was like 25 and uh, I thought you know what I'm going to open up to this guy and uh, I said you know uh, so, so and so I've been a little discouraged he said what you can't be discouraged I said ah, okay I'm not discouraged I'm just joking <laughs> he said Christians don't get discouraged I'm like okay I'm not a Christian then but anyways You know, I'm not talking about being that person that knows everything. Actually, what I've discovered is the closer a person becomes to the Lord and more humble they are in the hand of the Lord, the more aware they are of their own shortcomings and their desperate need of God. And the person that says they got it all under control, look out. Amen. Amen. A life of desperate dependence. I'm feeling good because I don't have a forced service, so I don't have to hurry, but I'm just rock and roll. (laughs) David's life was marked by a keen awareness that only God could answer and deliver him. And the life of a God-seeker is a life of supernatural deliverance. David said, anger is but a flash, but favor lasts forever. Verse 5 says, anger is but for a moment, but your favor lasts a lifetime. It sort of gives you this picture. The anger of God is like that, and that's a lot. But his favor goes on and on. And on. The seasons where you're sensing the discipline 
of the Lord in your life are seasons to yield yourselves to what God is teaching you because the favor of God will come again. Amen? Weeping endures for a night. Joy comes in the morning. David said, after praying in verse 6 six through 8, he said in verse 11, Lord, you have turned, once again, you've turned my morning into dancing. The life of a God seeker is a life that sees supernatural power unleash on their behalf. The life of a God seeker. I don't know about you, but I'd just soon skip the first four and go right here. <laughs> you know, I just want the supernatural deliverance when I want it, when I need it. I'll just let you know when that is, Lord. No, it doesn't happen that way. Supernatural deliverance is rooted in a life that is seeking and following and pursuing to God, uh, pursuing God. And listen, listen, this is what we've been doing for 21 days. Somebody told me yesterday, man, I haven't had any sweets. I haven't drank any pop. Whew. Praise God. I, I'm with them. I've done some stuff myself. Some of you haven't been on Facebook and your life's better for it. Amen. That was a good time to say amen. But, but, but 2019, I don't, I don't want to go back to the way it was. I want seven, eight hundred people seeking after God. Amen. And when we do, we'll see God work like never before. So, we've only just begun. Knowing the Lord in authentic relationship. God wants to do something fresh and new in your relationship with Him this year. You've only just begun. We've only just begun to passionately worship Him. We've only just begun to grow and mature in our walk with Him. We've only just begun to desperately depend upon Him. And we've only just begun to witness His unbelievable power. God has something Something special for us in 2019. Daniel wrote this in the devotional. If you read this book this month on day 19, you would have read this. So what might happen if we lived, related, worked, and served in the context of a praying life? And I will, I will exchange that for a God-seeking life. No doubt we would be much more aware of His presence, His power, and the promises of the Holy Spirit. Our orientation in daily life would be eternal, not temporal. If we lived a God-seeking life, a praying life, the loudest voice of the day would not be our own emotions or the opinions of men, but rather the will of the Holy Spirit. We would be able to better obey His prompting, speak His truth, and boldly witness to others of His gospel. We would live a life of sufficiency, Rather than focusing on our own scarcity, abiding prayer would change every reasoning of the mind and every relationship in the home and every reaction to life's challenges. So today, let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us a deepening conviction, a fresh consciousness, and a renewed commitment to abide in Christ through a praying life. I just say, let's be a God-seeker. Would you stand with me this morning, afternoon? We're going to sing. And I just want you to do this. If you're saying, Pastor Troy, this is me, I want you to come forward. We're just going to, we're going to raise our hands together and we're going to seek God. 
I'm not going to pray for you. You're going to talk to the Lord. But I want you to come forward and just, let's just come together and spend a couple minutes seeking Him and saying, this is my year, Lord. This is my year. I'm going to be a God seeker by Your grace more than ever before. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you can get one this morning by coming and saying, Lord, here I am. Forgive me. Cleanse me. This is my year. Would you come? As Ben begins to lead us in a chorus, would you come? Let's just pray together. Join me down here. Let's pray together as we become God seekers in 2019. Amen. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at Eastlake SML. Thanks for joining us.